And you are swashing. And I thank you. And a gracious good day to you, one and all. Welcome to Fusebox show number eight. The show that almost wasn't. And uh, more, <laughs> more about that in a moment. But um, welcome in. I'm Mark Rose, your host for Fusebox. This is the eighth edition of this this infusion of audio entertainment. And uh, this will be a, another kind of uh, hodgepodgey show, I think. But we do have uh, a loose, tangential theme in there, I guess. But uh, hope you enjoy it anyway. I heard on PQ River's uh, Quake Reversal Satellite show not too long ago. I think it was actually this week. And I'm recording this on March 21st. So if that puts it in perspective for you. Uh, well, PQ was remarking about what an odd start to the year this has been, and I have to concur. I think this is the weirdest, <laughs> most energetically fragmentized series of events and influences that, that I've that I can remember in in recent times. It's just it's been wacky, and it doesn't seem to stop. You know, although my uh, my friends who are in the uh, the astrological and energetic spheres of influence and knowledge tell me that Friday, that would have been the 20th of March, was sort of the big boil that was about to burst. And I guess it did and got stuff... Wow, gow, gow, yeah, just all over us. But I think, I, I hope, I sense maybe even that we're through that and we can now get underway with things that are of uh, a <laughs> period of uh, agonizing reappraisal may be over. So let's hope so. Anyway, uh, very, very strange, though. And we have uh, like an eclipse and a supermoon and a spring solstice and all that. It's just, whoa, okay, great. So there's a lot of stuff going on and it has certainly influenced my week. I will uh, elaborate on here. One of the things I was just talking with a with uh, Jeff Pollard, who is a frequent collaborator on this program, we decided that it might be a great idea to wade into some very deep water. Hey, why not? It's that kamikaze kind of season. You know what I'm saying? So we're thinking of of creating a roundtable discussion here in the, in the ensuing uh, weeks, maybe even sooner, <laughs> maybe even next week. Who knows? Concerning relationships. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there they go. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's uh, That's really icky territory. Um, so uh, we're going to have both uh, male and female representatives sitting around, all weapons checked at the door, and we'll see what kind of thing that could be. I think that would be a lot of fun myself. I may be in another zip code recording that, but anyway, that's fine. So, um, yeah, so there's... Uh, there's an interesting topic for a show, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how that goes. And uh, speaking of interesting, yes, I had my dose of interesting this week. Friday morning, and this must have been around, sadly, 3.30, maybe 4 o'clock, I start to hear a sound that one would attribute to, well, you know, that kind of sound you hear when you're running the dishwasher or maybe even the washing machine or some sort of machine requiring water that's being pumped from someplace. It's a sort of... Yeah, it's like that. 
and it's in the walls. You know, it's that sound. Normally, that wouldn't be distress. Except I wasn't washing clothes or uh, didn't have a washing machine on. So I padded downstairs and uh, went to where I thought the noise was emanating from, which was uh, a downstairs bathroom. Went over there to the tank thingy. And uh, yeah, it definitely seemed to be coming from there, but the tank thingy was okay. Everything functioned as normal. There were no strange creatures trying to crawl up out of the lid or anything like that. So I then commenced to pad outside, and I thought, well, that's, an, that's not a noise that I, I want to make sure that maybe the hoses are not on or something got turned on by accident or whatever. So I'm looking around for all that. No, don't see anything. Just to be sure, I go to the water main and turn it off because I don't know what it is and I can't see anything because it's black as pitch out here and I, there's not, nothing I could do at that moment anyway. So I turned it off, realizing, of course, that I would have no water. <laughs> but anyway, got up uh, next, uh, well, in a few hours later where there was actually daylight, I realized the first thing that didn't happen was the furnace didn't come on. And I thought, that's odd. Because, you know, out here in Oregon, it's a wee cold in the mornings, could be 30, 40, you know, especially this time of year. So it didn't come on. And there was an odd smell. Yes, that's right. It was uh, the, the kind of smell you have when filters or something, you know, have, have accumulated with too much grit, that kind of thing. I had just cleaned those, so I had suspected that that's probably not it. And, uh, but I decided to check it out anyway. <laughs> So I uh, go outside to where the furnace is. The furnace is actually under the house in this little compartment thingy underneath everything like they used to do back in the 1940s, practically. So the uh, furnace resides under there. And I opened the door and I got this. That's right. There was probably three and a half, four feet of water under there. Yep. And the reason the furnace didn't come on? Well, it was floating. So, luckily, all the water had been contained to this one area. That meant an immediate call to a restoration company that would assist in this process, who, by the way, were very nice people. They came out as quick as they could and uh, got the water out of there. And long story short, evidently, an aging water main had actually, it had ruptured under there and was pumping out gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons of water. So if I had left that on all night, <laughs> that would have been a bad deal. Because I'll tell you why. Um, the audio studio that I, where my business is, uh, adjoins by a wall or two that area that is under the house. Uh, it's not under the house, but it is kind of above it. And so water could conceivably, just as it almost did, creep into this area too. That wouldn't, yeah, see, that's, that's, you don't want that. No. I don't have my arc ready, for, first of all, you know. <laughs> I've just been working on the animals, but I, I don't have the arc ready. <sighs> so anyway, there's that. And, uh, but the good news is high and dry and nothing damaged here, but they do have to do a fair amount of work. So it, it looks like they're going to have to reroute all sorts of pipes and do things like that and I'm sure there'll be some wonderful moments there that I can capture for you. Um, you know, jackhammers and <laughs> things like that. Like, uh, 
Our colleagues in New York don't hear that all the time anyway. Yeah, so that adventure. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a very interesting time. Now, how this sort of relates to, to, to what the astrologers and the energetic folk have all been saying is that, especially in what's known as Vedic astrology, what happened Friday aligns with a water serpent spirit. <laughs> now, I found that. Yeah, luckily not like that. But I found that really, really interesting because, once again, it's all water-related stuff. I mean, it could have been anything, right? It could have been an electrical problem. You know, your wall could collapse. <laughs> I don't know. Godzilla could come back and make jam out of the entire city. You know, it could be that. But it didn't. It was just this. So I'm uh, grateful for that, and uh, hopefully we will, we will have that all straightened up and cleaned away soon. Customer service of the future. It's a great day at DAK Industries. My name is Succuba. How may I help you? Yes, well, I have a problem with my... Well, then, we'll just terminate your account. But I haven't even shown you... So, from a conversation that... uh, Filmmaker Kelly Baker and uh, Jeff Pollard and I had a little while ago found another little clip of that uh, rambling three-hour thing that we did <laughs> that uh, also was very interesting, I think. And, and again, uh, irrespective of one's involvement in the arts or not, it doesn't really matter. I think some of these concepts that uh, we're talking about in here uh, definitely ring you know, regardless what it is you do. I think there's some very accurate descriptions of this process. Also, there is a film mentioned in here that um, isn't really clarified, and I just want to let you know, if you have not seen this film, I would urge you to do it if you care for the slightly interesting. And I'm not sure how you pronounce their last names either, but I think it's the Polish brothers. And the film is called North Fork. Not to be missed if you have not seen it. It came out several years ago. And uh, this uh, director acting brother team have done numerous films uh, since. But uh, it's a really interesting piece. And there's another part of our conversation where we get a little more into that. But uh, it's referenced in this little bit. So I wanted to make sure that you were aware of that. But yeah, seek that out if, you, if you're in, up for something interesting. The uh, film's called North Fork. So... Uh, Here's a little more of that conversation with Jeff Kelly and yours truly. I mean, as an artist, as a, what does it feel like that your your, your first or second thing was huge? Yes. And now you're trying to climb that mountain yeah, that's again. Tough. And you know, it's and you tough. have a choice. To me, it's like once again, it comes down to choice. Yeah. You have a choice. Do you try to equal the success of that one thing, or do you just continue your own progression? I think that's what it is, because I, I don't think you can. You can't manufacture brilliance. You right. can you can do the things that that you hope will result in brilliance, right? But it's going to happen in its own way. And I think once you achieve that, to then consciously go out and try to keep doing it, I, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think it's, a, it's that's, impossible. Yeah, it is because now you're you're being. I don't think you're being genuine about your creative process now. Right. You're. You're trying to manipulate it, yeah. Not in a in a healthy way, you know. I, right. I think it's going to happen, or it's not. Well, if we use the music world as the thing, now you have this whole group of lawyers and other people saying you got to have another big hit. You've mm-hmm. got to have another. You've got to and exactly. 
some people can do it. I mean, yeah. I was like, I have so much respect for Madonna because her longevity is amazing. I don't listen to her stuff, you know, but right. her longevity, the fact that she's still doing, I mean, that's incredible. And the reinventing that's is pretty amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. But then you look at, you know, other people who came out, you know, and their first record was killer, whatever it is, and then what happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the people, you know, Liz Fair's first record, Exile in Guyville, was all done in somebody's kitchen or whatever. Right. Fantastic. And unfortunately, she's never been able to equal that. Mm. Her stuff is much slicker and more produced, right? And there's a big team around her, or was, wow. you know. And there's yeah, and there's a whole bunch of those people that are like that. That you know, they get this big team around them, and it's now we have to keep manufacturing the hits. How does it feel to be that artist mm-hmm. saying it ain't coming? It ain't and it, right. You know, I'm uh, trying this. I'm how trying with this, this mechanism? And you have you. these people around you saying, "No, that's not a hit. No, yeah. no, that's the no. We're going to reject all the songs that you just wrote. I know they're about the breakup of your marriage. You know, whatever it is, and they really mean something to you. But audiences don't care. Mm-hmm. We need something better. We need something poppier. Yeah. Well, and I think when you try yeah. to when you when you try to capture lightning in a bottle again, once you've done it once. Then I think what you're risking is becoming formulaic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to repeat what I did there and hope that it catches again. Right. And then, oh, it didn't. Well, then I'm going to try it again and again and again. And pretty soon, then you're a one-trick pony. Not because you had one hit and that was it, but because you're, you've got the same bag of tricks that you're relying on now. And now you're over playing at the Marriott down by the airport. <laughs> right. You right, know, exactly. I mean, it's, well, it's I one of those I, oldies tours. When yeah. I showed you, or when I, when I told you about North Fork, and, I, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I, one of the things I told you was, if I were the, and I had never heard of the Polish brothers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I said. probably mispronouncing it too, but who knows. If I, if I did this, if I did North Fork, I would say, you know what, I'm done. We're mm-hmm. we're out of here. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Because how you know, but that's not the way that it, it works when you're when you're creative. You're you're going right. to you're going to do your thing, and people are going to respond to it or not. Right. And then you're on to the other thing. I'm going to do it again. Right. And, I and think I the think ones that, that try to f- capture that lightning in a bottle again, that's when they get into that. That's when you have a problem. Yep, you can't. They're in this loop and they can't right. get out of it. Right. And I think it would be interesting to say, you know, you, you do this thing and you recognize that it's really terrific. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, now what do I do? Well, I think what you have to do is whatever you want to do, not what, you know, you just did. Mm-hmm. Right. What you, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I mean, not, you know, it's right. like, you know, but it's like, remember, you know, back, huh, Years ago, when Picasso suddenly entered his blue period, and everybody said, "Oh man, his stuff is awful." The blue period, that stuff's awful. He's washed now, out. Now that's the most expensive stuff out right. there. You know, so he was right, and he went by his. And I think that's all you can do. That's it. You can't is go by your gut feeling. Yep, you can't go into a project, whatever the creative medium is, and, and decide that you're going to be you're going to be brilliant or you're going to create brilliance. That's for other people to, to, to decide. decide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just doing what you're supposed to be doing in that particular moment in time and following your instincts. And doing the best you can do. Is, is key. And that's the, 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 the critical thinking like we were talking about earlier where I would, I would tell my students, you have got to learn to trust your instincts. My goal for you as your teacher is as we progress, you will rely less and less on me. And more and more on your own instincts. Right. Right. Because you have to. Yes. Unless you want to be an order taker and then you have marketing people telling you what to do, what <laughs> color to make it, who to cast, 
what instrument to play, whatever, you know. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and that's all you can do is say, I'm going to do the best I can every yeah. time out. Yeah. And if you want to turn and, men- you know, and this is something that, you know, when I made Bird Dog, you know, I, I enjoyed, you know, making that movie. It was a personal movie. And I turned around and then, and you know, followed up with a gas cafe, which is totally different. Completely different. And mm-hmm. I got so much shit from people. And I got people who couldn't stand Gas Cafe and how could you do that? Why? You know, the other thing you did <laughs> was, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, and I'm proud of that movie, too. Because they were to judging make, it against... Bird Dog. Or the, the, worst, the worst part is when they judge my work against my short films. Yeah. I can't win on that because, oh, those short films are so funny. How come you're not funny anymore? <laughs> We liked you in your earlier funnier period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like you know, be funny. Yeah, yeah. like right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, <clears throat> to be compared all the time to some what you just did. Yeah. You know, and, and and I'm nobody. You know, and to me, once again, when I did Kicking Bird, that was a departure from both Bird Dog and Gas right. Cafe. But you know, I mean. People like who like Gas Cafe really like Gas Cafe. People who hate Gas Cafe, let me know it. Wow, I well, like it myself. Yeah. Um, I, I did too. And just from a story standpoint, I thought yep. that was just that was a brilliant story. I needed to tell it. I mean, you know, I mean that was the, with all the films. Yeah. I needed to tell that story at the time, and that's where I was at the time. Well, now those are because we're gonna have a link here, buddy. Uh, <laughs> where 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 do people find? You know, I just found out that a friend of mine found one of my films in the bin at Millennium. Well, I saw that. I saw that post. Our, our yeah. listeners in Ireland aren't going to take the trek. I'm just wondering. Your listener in Ireland? No, maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, my stuff can be found at angryfilmmaker.com. Once again, that's angryfilmmaker.com. Two M's. That's right. And that's Kelly with uh, two E's, not K E E L Y. Keely. <laughs> Kenny. Kenny uh, Barker. Kenny Barker. Yeah, Ken- oh, nice. Yeah, uh, he's a short guy. He's about yeah. to... <laughs> he is. It's actually Baker. It's <laughs> Kenny Baker, isn't it? Yes. No. There is, yes. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I thought it was Anthony Baker and Kenny something. Something. C3PO. And, yeah. Anyway. By the yeah. way, when you're. That's I, as nerdy as I get. Go I ahead, think go. when you're being. when when. You're comparing yourself against yourself. Right, right. That's when you become a caricature. Yep. You're you've you've hit this thing. Now you're trying. It to worked, be that and now you're trying thing. to replicate it, and you keep. I think that's how you become a caricature of yourself. And 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 there's a difference between being a caricature and a character. Oh, absolutely. You know, because we all have when we go into character mode. Right. You know, and we become this. I mean, it's I, I I take on and off the angry filmmaker mask. You know, if I'm out on the road, you know, I'm the angry filmmaker. If I'm at home or with friends, I'm me. Because if I if I were the angry filmmaker all the time, I would I wouldn't want to hang out with me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's yeah. like I said. You know, I believe in. You know the angry filmmaker and, and all the stuff I stand for for that, but but I'm not that personal at the time. Right. But I don't think, I, and I think what we're talking about is different. The caricature thing. Um, I right. think that to a certain extent we compare ourselves. I compare myself to myself in that each film that I make, I want it to be better than the last one. Each book that I write, I want it to be better, and so I will look at that. But I also look at my work and say, 
that piece of work has flaws, but it was the best thing that I could do at the time that I made it. Well, I and think, I need to move on. Absolutely. Right now, and right? I think in whatever field you're in, yeah. I think you're you're yeah. to be successful, you have to compete with yourself. That's an entirely mm-hmm. different thing mm-hmm. than oh, I, I knocked it out of the park on this one thing, and now I'm going to do exactly the same thing the next time with the hope of replicating that. Right. When you need to move completely away from it, that, that moment of brilliance happened. Will it happen the next time? Maybe, but maybe it won't, and if it doesn't, that's okay. As long as you're trying to be a better version of yourself <laughs> Right. And honor and your a, creativity and, that way, then. And there's a greater likelihood than you, that you will be better the next time because you're not thinking that whether, way. But, whether anybody else agrees right, or not. Right, yeah, right. absolutely. But the other thing, and let me ask this, and this question you, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but you did Tiger Woods logo for Nike. Do you get clients or people saying, that's what I want? All you're the guy who the did that? Time. Mm-hmm. All the time. Or I've done, you know, I've done guest speaking gigs and I've done magazine interviews, yeah. and they they always want to know, is that the best logo you've ever done? <laughs> they, they they assume that it is. Right. right. Wow. Well, it's it's the most recognizable one. Well, come on, come on. Angry filmmaker is the most recognizable one logo you've done. <laughs> no, that's the best one I've ever done. <laughs> the absolute best one. That's angryfilmmaker.com. Thanks, Jeff. That's swell. Yeah. Anything for you, Kenny. <laughs> but no, I mean, t- right. that's, yeah, they, they, they know that one. And so they assume that that's the quote unquote best logo I've ever done and that I'm going to feel that way. And I, I don't know if it is or not. Uh, is it is it good? Well, yeah, somebody thought it was, and that's where that to me that's where it begins and ends. Is the client happy? Did Tiger like it? Yes. Then it's a good logo. Right. It's a good logo. Personally, if if I'm to dissect everything I've ever created, mm-hmm. there are there are others that I that I feel were better for different reasons. But that's just my opinion, and the fact that I created these things doesn't mean that my opinion has any more value than anybody else's. That's for other people to decide, well, what is the best logo Jeff Pollard ever did? Just like for you, well, what's the best film Kelly Baker ever did? Well, and I would say my answer is always, well, the most recent one. The, for me, the answer is the next one I do. Yeah, yeah. Right. But it's like, no, the best one I did was the most recent one because I've learned so much from the others. Right. And the next one that I do is going to be better. And mm-hmm. that's where the competing with yourself mm-hmm. helps you propel yourself creatively. That's, that's how it's you a evolve healthy thing. creative. Yeah. 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 Not, not, not hitting it out of the park, like I said, and then just trying to do exactly that right. same thing over and over and over right. and over again. Yeah. Well, this logo was really it was successful. It had a lot of blues. So I want to start working with Everything's a lot of blue. Everything's going to be blue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And pointy things. And flames. Flames. <laughs> flames More skulls. Blue. Yeah. <laughs> More skulls. More skulls and flames. Because <laughs> that's really hot right now. Especially if you're a tattoo artist. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing I got. It's like, you know, when I Ugh. showed the guy the, you know, the tattoo I wanted, it's like... Well, yeah, I can, I can do that, but you know, I'm really good with skulls, and it's like, yeah, I was of course almost, you are. I was almost a skull. No, thank you. Yeah, of course yeah, you're good with skulls. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, you know, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, I can, I can do letters. 
Good deal. I, yeah, I like, can well, do letters and words and stuff. And yeah, stuff. I was like, okay, now whose tattoo is this? Is yeah. this my? Am I? Do you want? You know, is this something personal for me, or are you looking for a billboard, <laughs> a flesh billboard? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, regardless what our process is, however one expresses creativity, and it can, like I said before, it can be anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be any of these disciplines. It's literally anything a person does. And uh, I, I think really the, the point was well taken there about the process that is levied upon artists who have, in fact, created something really popular. And the, the pressure to do that again is more than you would imagine. Yeah, because there is such a machine in place there, so big and so encompassing that no matter what it is that got you to your first success, I assure you that pressure was not on you until you have that success. I think that's a pretty valid little piece there. Hope you enjoyed it. In a classic mountain climber's dilemma, Bob had to choose between his best friend who dangled from a rope that he held and a few minutes of quality time with a swimsuit issue of his favorite sports magazine. Help me. Help me. Okay. Help me. Okay. Uh, I, I love you, man. Oh, no. 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 So, back in 2008, we started a project for a radio series we were producing at the time that had sort of uh, an anthological theme to it, multiple stories and so forth. And one story involved two kids who stumble across a uh, forbidden TV channel. Now, this isn't to be confused with the um, concept explored by uh, David Cronenberg called Videodrome. This, This one was based on a phenomenon that existed back in the days of uh, analog TV reception and, in particular, TV listings in either the newspaper or the infamous TV guide. See, back in those days, all the channels were not available to all the people all the time. In some cases, channels would be um, outside your viewing area. And these channels were often signified in the listings with a different color designation on the page. Like, uh, mostly the the out-of-area channels were a reverse of the channels that were available in your area. For instance, channels you could pick up were a white number in a black circle. But the ones out of your area would be the reverse, a black number in a white circle or even stranger and, yes, more exotic, an outline number in a white box. You following me here? All right. So, (laughs) as it would be a certain kind of poetic irony that every time that uh, a, a scary movie you had read about in the back pages of famous monsters of Filmland was eventually going to be shown somewhere, it was on, that's right, White Nine. 
therefore totally inaccessible and highly frustrating no matter how you contorted the rabbit ears to bring it in or kick the television or did something horrible with a fork. Now, so this little story here is based on that idea and features two very talented kids, Keaton Hill and Riley Thompson, who have no idea what simple channel surfing of that time would present to them. Here's White Nine. Try to get White Nine. That never comes in. Try it. Move the rabbit ears. It's like a gazillion miles away. Like this. Hey, hold it right there. A gazillion miles away. some medical thing. I don't think I want to see this. This is gross. Turn it off. Jen? She's seen us turn off the TV. No way. This is too cool. Turn off the TV. She knows we're watching. Try to get that on your DVDR. Yeah, not gonna happen. So I think we're going to tie this one up in a nice sloshy bow and say adieu for this edition of Fusebox. Thanks once again to Kelly Baker, Keaton Hill, Jeff Pollard, Douglas Scott, Riley Thompson, and Susan Zeitlin for their vocal contributions to this edition. Next week, I do believe we'll have an audio treat for you for sure. As Fusebox is proud to present the award-winning presentation, Nirvana and Gehenna in all its interdimensional glory. 
What if a disaster of, say, the scale of the Hindenburg tragedy was also being played out at the same time in an alternate dimension? And what if that alternate dimension could see us? More ear food on its way. Thank you once again for pushing play on this episode. I've been your host, Mark Rose. This is Fusebox. And until our next cartoon.